listening to the Retro Reprise podcast in association with NerdyLegion.com. Here's your host, Adam S.L. Welcome to Retro Reprise. I am Adam S.L. And uh, today I've got something really great planned for us. Since I'm new here on Nerdy Legion, I figure there's probably, hopefully, some new people checking out this podcast. And uh, this show is going to be for a lot of you out there who are new to Retro Reprise. Uh, since I'm new here, I thought it would be a good time to go over something that I've been wanting to talk about for a very long time. Something I talk about with my normie friends out there who don't collect anything. And that is a beginner's guide to retro gaming. Uh, so if you are someone who's listening to the podcast and you're like, hey, this is really cool. I like the idea of going out and playing some old retro games, but I don't know how committed I want to be to it. Maybe you've seen some YouTube videos of people with massive libraries of video games in their background and uh, on shelves. And you're like, hey, that, that looks really cool, but that looks really intimidating. This show is going to be for you because there's different ways to go about retro gaming, and I'm going to cover a lot of different methods to get you into playing old video games. Whether they were childhood classics that you you want to go back and revisit, or maybe you're wanting to explore stuff that you never got to experience as a kid. Um, that's what happened with me. I, I originally started collecting uh, games that I had played as a kid, or uh, had rented and things like that, and then my library grew, and then I found out that there, there were more games, and there were a lot of really cool games, and I never really got to play them as a kid, and then I started buying those, and the library just kept on growing and growing. Now, you don't have to go my path. You don't have to go my way of doing things. I'm going to give you guys a couple of different solutions, uh, different ways. Maybe you don't have the space for a game collection. That's something I'm dealing with right now. I have a collection, and it's just sort of overwhelming my my space. If you don't have space, that's fine. We can We can figure out a way for you to get into gaming. So let's get started on this. All right, so the first group of people that I want to address in this are those of you with a current gen console and PC gamers. Now, I'm not going to be talking a lot of PC stuff because if you're a PC gamer, you're already putting together your rig. You know about GPUs, CPUs, graphics, uh, settings, and all that type of stuff. Then you're probably well aware of emulators that are out there and how to get them up and running and how to get them to work. This is going to be more for those of you who maybe getting into PC gaming is a little too much and you like your console, you like the idea of something a little bit more simplistic, you put your game in, you turn it on, and you're ready to play. Uh, so this is the first group I'm going to talk about. Those of you with modern-gen consoles, so I'm talking PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch. Let's say, for example, that you're not really ready to get into collecting old consoles. Well, there's plenty of stuff that's out there for you guys. Game packs. Lots and lots of game packs from various developers uh, about various things, different consoles, arcades, all sorts of stuff, and there's a lot of great material that's out there. So let's talk about a few of these packs, okay? A lot of these are available across the board for all of these systems. Um, some of them are going to be system exclusive. Uh, I don't know which are, are which, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. So let's just take a look at a few of them. We have the Namco Museum. 
Um, this is one of the reasons why I love the PS2. On the PS2, there are so many of these packs that are released, and the Namco Museum is one of them that I really, really love. Uh, you get to play the library of Namco video games. So you're talking about like Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, um, Rolling Thunder, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, a lot of great stuff from Namco. So there's the Namco Museum. There's the SNK 40th Anniversary. These are a little bit more of a deep dive into SNK before a lot of the uh, the Fatal Fury games had come out. So this is before a lot of fighters. These are going to be classic arcade games. Uh, overhead shooters and things like that. Uh, Sega Genesis Classics. This is another one that's just great. There's so many different versions of these that are released. I know for the Xbox 360, it was like the Sonic Sega Genesis Collection. Uh, and it not only had Sega Genesis games, but it also had some uh, hidden arcade games on there. So you could play like a you could play Shinobi, the original arcade Shinobi, on it. Just a great collection of games. Uh, there's the Capcom Beat 'Em Up Bundle. That's pretty self-explanatory. The Atari Flashback consoles. Uh, there seems to be one of those released every generation of console. So those those have been out for a while. And the Mega uh, the Mega Man uh, Legacy Collection as well as the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection. So if you're looking for games and you're not ready to commit to buying other consoles uh, or cluttering up your uh, you know, your TV area, then these are a good way to start off. Uh, I'm sure these are available digitally, but there are some of these that are available on physical disc as well. So if you're really wanting to go out and, and try something new uh, without cluttering up your space, this is a good way to start. So for those of you with modern consoles, you're already halfway there. You're already somewhere in the realm of, of getting a hold of these games and playing them. Okay, so let's say you, you got a console, or maybe you don't have a console. Maybe you're someone like me. I don't have a modern-day console. Uh, I plan on getting the Switch Lite uh, next month when it actually gets released, but I don't have a current-gen console. I have an old Xbox 360, and I love the thing. I play on it all the time. Uh, but maybe you're like me and you just don't have a, a, a modern console or a computer that's powerful enough to run modern day hardware. That's okay. There's something out for you guys, especially for those of you who are tinkerers, who love to play around and build things and put stuff together. This is going to be great for you. So what I'm talking about is RetroPie. So when I do YouTube stuff, uh, inevitably there's always that RetroPie person. Uh, why don't you just get a RetroPie? You can play all these games and it's good. That's, it's okay. <laughs> they they miss the point of what having a collection means and having physical media is. But let's say, uh, there to me, there is a legitimate space for RetroPie. And uh, let's, let's get into that a little bit in case you don't know what it is. Of course, uh, a RetroPie is a Raspberry Pi that uh, you throw on this uh, interface with that plays retro video games. And um, it's really, from everything that I've read about it, I have never done one. I've thought about doing one, uh, that they're relatively easy to do. And the the list of games that you can play on it are tremendous. Um, but there are some great advantages uh, uh, to it as well. So one, it's really affordable. And it's great for those of you who love to build things and tinker and, and play around with stuff. And uh, as far as the controller setup is concerned, it's it's USB. So there's so many companies now that have released retro style USB controllers that uh, you can kind of 
cater your games to whatever you want to play and have a controlling device that feels very similar to what you had uh, at, in your childhood. Uh, so if you want to play NES games, there is an NES USB style controller that's out there for you to use. Uh, and with a lot of these mini miniature consoles that are coming out, they're also going to have those variations on those controllers as well. So, uh, for example, like I'm really excited for the TurboGrafx-16 to come out. Uh, their controllers are going to be USB as well. So maybe you don't need to get the uh, TurboGrafx-16 Mini, but you can get the TurboGrafx-16 Mini USB controller to play on your RetroPie. So that would be uh, a really cool solution for you to, to check out. So there's about 20-plus consoles for this, uh, for, for RetroPie software. I wish I could get into all of them, but there's just there's really too many to list. And uh, now the downside to a RetroPie is if you're not a tinkerer, if you're not a, if you're not somebody who's really interested in technology, uh, this might be a little too much for you. The other downside of this could be that uh, it's there's too many options. There's just way too many options. It can be uh, overwhelming. Uh, that's part of the reason why having a console is so nice because you have games that are sort of catered to the console. They work, uh, in the case of RetroPie, you have all these different options to play as and, and different game systems, including arcades and home consoles. And the selection of games that are out there are tremendous for, for download, um, you know, downloading ROMs and whatnot. So you're going to need to have a little bit of background and knowledge in what you're doing. And the, just having a, just that selection of video games could be a bit overwhelming for you. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I know the idea is the more things out there, the better it is. Absolutely, I agree with that. But I can see where having all of those options can be a little overwhelming as well. So the next thing I want to talk about are clone consoles. Now, having the original console is fantastic. It can get a little pricey, though. Um, they are going for a bit of a premium these days, so finding an old Nintendo or an old Super Nintendo or even a Sega Genesis can be a little bit costly. And let's say you're needing to save some money. You don't want to do all of that. Well, there's a great option for you on the clone console side. There's been a couple of companies, real standout companies to me, that have created affordable consoles that do... Uh, uh, multiple consoles, like three consoles in one. I've said consoles a lot. I think I'm going to try to avoid that. Uh, but the two main companies that I'm talking about are Retrobit and Hyperkin. Uh, now, with Retrobit, they have HD options. So you're not just stuck to uh, using an old tube television. That's something that I haven't really mentioned yet and haven't really addressed, is that with a lot of these old consoles, they're not really designed with uh, HD in mind. They were designed years before... HD and progressive scan, uh, you know, like 1080p or 720p progressive scan out there. So these game consoles have a tendency to um, lag real badly. And with more modern te technology coming out uh, with HD televisions, they are cutting costs by cutting out uh, older uh, connection methods. So your composite uh, and component connections are going away in favor of HDMI. And that means that uh, if you buy an old console, you're either going to have to buy some sort of converter, or uh, in a lot of cases, there's people who are buying really expensive uh, up-conversion stuff. So either the, the cables themselves are real expensive, or they're using something like a FrameMeister in order to uh, make the games look good on an HD television. That's the other side of it, is that these games don't really look all that great on an HD set. So for someone like my Myself, I've went and purchased a bunch of 
uh, secondhand old tube televisions to get uh, the closest experience I can get. So that's part of the reason why there's almost no room in my collection. Uh, but you don't have to do that. With a lot of these clone console companies that are out, they have HD options available for them. And you can actually squeeze in several uh, different company consoles together into one. So let's talk about Retrobit and Hyperkin. So they both have uh, different versions of, of systems available. You can get a single system. So if you're only interested in, in, in Nintendo, then you can get a Nintendo clone console. Um, same thing with the Genesis or the Super Nintendo. Uh, and then they also have these combination consoles that'll play NES, Genesis, and Super Nintendo together all in one console. Uh, Hyperkin's even gone the extra mile and have they've put out an Atari, uh, I think it's called the Retron 77. Uh, so there's an Atari version. They're working on an N64 version right now. It's not out yet, but that is something that they're working on is an N64 uh, clone console that's going to have HDMI output uh, so you can play your N64 games in probably something like 720p. Uh, so those are great options. But there are also higher-end clone consoles as well. So uh, the Analog, the there's a company called Analog. They make the Analog NT. It's a higher-end Nintendo. I believe it plays not only NES games, but it also plays the 60-pin Famicom games as well. And then there's another company called Retro USB. Uh, they're using a completely different method to uh, get these games to process. A lot of the... Uh, cheaper versions of these are using what people refer to as a uh, system on a chip. Uh, I believe <clears throat> I believe the more expensive ones are using, I think it's called an FPGA, uh, which is a, a chip that's programmable, and you can get it to behave like the chipsets that were in the older consoles. Uh, the Analog NT, they actually uh, ravaged a bunch of old Nintendos and Famicoms to uh, create a system that's actually using uh, authentic hardware on the inside to get those games to work. Uh, now, those are more expensive options, uh, but if you're looking for something a little bit more affordable, a little bit space-saving, uh, those retro game consoles are out there for you to use and play. And they're and usually they're pretty affordable within the $100 range or less. So something to, to explore. Now, there are some downsides to getting some of these uh, clone consoles. Uh, some of the downsides are is that these, because they are using the system on the chip um, method of getting these games to go, they're not always... Uh, able to play everything that you want to play. Uh, so certain games, uh, one that comes to mind that's always a little bit difficult for these companies is Castlevania 3. Uh, because of its specific chipsets, it's, uh, it doesn't always work on these older consoles. But you're going to be able to play a large portion of the library. But usually stuff with cheater chips in them uh, on the Nintendo side for sure can be a little bit difficult. Uh, another game that's really hard for these these uh, systems to play is something like a VR Racing, Virtual Racer for uh, the Sega Genesis. Uh, that one's a little bit difficult because it's also using polygons uh, to play basically stuff on a 16-bit system. So uh, you are going to run into some compatibility problems with some of these games. And if you're going to be playing them on... Uh, an HD television, this is going to take out all of the light gun shooting games. So uh, your duck hunts, uh, stuff like that, they're not going to be able to play on them. Not because these systems aren't capable of running them, but mostly because of the television prog progressive scan. That's, a, that's an issue. 
most of these televisions were using interlaced uh, technology at the time for uh, to get these games to run. And uh, with interlaced, uh, you could do some really interesting things with it. And light gun games worked really well when you were using those. So uh, the interaction with a light gun is just not going to work on a progressive scan television. So those modern day televisions are, are, are great. And if you don't have a lot of room for an old television... These are some really great solutions, but like I said, there's going to be some compatibility problems. Um, and this would be the same thing if you were to go make your own RetroPie. You're, you're probably not going to be playing any kind of light gun type game on a RetroPie either. So what's next? Let's say you are really thinking that this is cool, that you want to get into retro gaming really bad. And, uh, well, this next one is going to be for you. This is what I do. Uh, and I think over time... Uh, as you're maybe dipping your toes in at first, uh, maybe start doing this later on. And I'm, what I'm talking about is going out and buying these old consoles. Uh, now, I have somewhere in the realm of like 22 different video game consoles. Uh, and I use I do use clone consoles as well. Uh, so I have a collection of consoles, but I also use... I have a Retron 5... And I also have a Super Retro Trio that I mostly do my game playing on because I'm trying to preserve those consoles. Like I said, on occasion, I'll run into a game that I can't play, like uh, Castlevania 3. I can't play that on my Retron... Well, I can play it on my Retron 5, but I can't play it on my Super Retro Trio. But my Super Retro Trio is my favorite out of those two clone consoles. But it doesn't play Castlevania 3. So when I want to play some Castlevania 3, I've got to play it on my actual NES. So going after the consoles themselves, that can be a one. It's really, to me, it's fun, but I can see where it could be a hassle for some people. So I'm not trying to downplay it, but I'm also not trying to hype it up as, as well. Uh, having the game consoles, the authentic consoles does make the gameplay experience just a little bit better. Like you start to notice very, very small, tiny things, maybe some, some changes in the graphics. The colorization isn't perfect. Uh, sometimes you're having some, you'll, you'll notice quieter sound on, on the clone consoles. So if you're wanting the genuine, authentic real world experience, then there's really nothing that replaces the authentic console of the generation that you're trying to play as. Now, the, the great side to it is these work normally these work really well but you will run into older consoles that um, need some repair work or need some uh, need some capacitors changed or things like that and there are people out there to work on these old consoles who can do the repair work for you um, but like I said there's nothing like having the authentic console and and playing through it and and really reliving your childhood if that's what you're looking for. Now, the the downside to this is that they do take up a lot of room. I've got a large shelf with the predominant amount of my consoles on there and about 3 televisions uh, that these are splitting off into. And uh, like I said, it's really cool, but it's also very um takes up a lot of space. So if you're someone who's who's really cramped on space, then this might not be the solution for you. Uh, along with having those consoles, you're going to have to figure out other solutions like how to get multiple consoles to hook up to one television. Uh, and like I said, the best playing experience is going to be on old tube televisions. So while getting your hands on an old tube set isn't really hard. Uh, you know, you can just open up your Craigslist or your, your Facebook market or whatever, and there's always somebody there who's selling a television, an old tube television. Uh, eventually, those are going to go away. 
um, you know, as tubes die out, there's not going to be people to replace the tubes in those old television sets. Uh, the, the other downside is, is that those television sets are extremely, extremely heavy. I have uh, a Sony Trinitron, which is considered the, you know, the creme de la creme of television sets for retro gaming. And, uh, that thing was a giant and it took, uh, I, I decided to go pick it up on my own, and I ended up dropping it on its face, and it caused uh, a big dent in the, the upper frame of the television. So it's a little damaged, but uh, man, do those video games look and sound amazing. I just wish I hadn't dropped it, but it took, uh, it took me and my wife, who was not happy that I had picked up a giant, old, heavy tube television, uh, to set it up on my uh, shelf so I could play these retro games. Uh, now, on the, the plus side, these things make fantastic display pieces. They look amazing, and it's always impressive to see all these systems kind of gathered together neatly in, in a spot uh, on shelves to kind of go, hey, this is this is what I do. This is what I like to, to play as, or this is what I like to do with my stuff. So they make fantastic display pieces for people who come over and, and look at stuff. They're like, hey, that's really cool. Uh, but but like I said, there's there's a lot of room that's being taken up. And uh, setting this up and getting your wires and cables and stuff like that squared away so they look good. Uh, and, unless you're someone who really loves to, uh, you know, make things look good, there's going to be a lot of work behind it. You know, gathering up those cables, uh, buying up old uh, cables to use. Luckily, we have stuff like uh, Monoprice out there. I use Monoprice a lot for uh, any composite or component cables that I need to do in order to jump these game systems over to a switcher so I can switch games. I need to go through and really go in and label my my different games and stuff like that and my, my different game consoles on the switchers. Uh, but yeah, it can get overwhelming, especially when you're getting into the realm past, you know, five consoles, four consoles. You're going to need additional switchers uh, and there, there are so many different options out there for putting these things together. It can be a little bit overwhelming, um, but there's a lot of stuff to take into consideration. Power supplies, so you'll want to have a power conditioner uh, for all your consoles, so hopefully you don't blow them out or, or burn them up. Uh, you don't want to have all of them running at the same time, obviously things like that. So there's a lot of stuff to take into consideration when you're going in and getting your authentic consoles, and it's a lot of work, but... It is rewarding when you're sitting down and playing those games because now you're getting the actual experience that you had as a kid uh, because you've recreated the entire environment that you were going to use. So you've got an old tube television, you got a Nintendo, you got a Nintendo controller, and you're playing an old Nintendo game. It feels fantastic, and it's exactly as your childhood because that is what you did for your childhood. Okay, so now we've talked about all the different media that you can use for your uh, to play these old retro games, whether you're going to emulate them uh, through something like RetroPie, or maybe you're going to buy some collections for your current console that you happen to own. Uh, let's take a look at some of the different ways of building your collection. This is something that you're going to uh, really want to pay attention to because retro game collecting, when I started, was really a budget hobby. Uh, I started back in like 99 and initially, I, I've gone through two essential phases. I went back uh, in 1999. I was playing old games because I really just wasn't happy with the current console generation. I really wasn't happy with the N64. And uh, PlayStation was great, but it, it I wasn't enamored with it like I was with the older 16-bit and 8-bit systems. So back then, it was really affordable to go and, and pick up these old 
cartridge games because the industry had shifted generally. At that time, uh, with the exception of the N64, consoles had moved over to CDs and CD media. And so everybody was trying to get rid of their old cartridge stock of old video games. So you could go in essentially into a store or a garage sale and you could pick up all of these old consoles for really seriously pennies on the dollar. Um, certain games like, uh, you know, Castlevania Bloodlines for the Sega Genesis that I picked up at Walmart because they were trying to get rid of it. And I paid $6 for it. I paid $6 for that game. Uh, and now that's that game, I think ranges in the, in like the sixties to $70 range. Uh, so it's just really incredible all the different stuff that how the prices have changed. So retro gaming is still and still can be a budget friendly, uh, hobby and collection to build. Um, but you do need to be aware that the, the market shifts are drastic right now is a good time to get in because the prices have lowered down. It's not such a big deal, uh, retro gaming right now as it had been uh, a couple years ago. Um, but we're going to talk about some methods to help you beef up your collection if that's what you're deciding to do and uh, how to go about doing it. So the first stop I'm going to say are flea markets. I love going to flea markets. It's probably been a good year since I've been to one, but flea markets are a fantastic place to go pick up retro games. Now there are some rules that I would, I would lay into place here. Uh, the more consoles that you're going to collect for, it's a little bit easier to find things because it's just a random crapshoot. You're not sure what, what you're going to get exactly. Uh, you may not find anything or you might find a treasure trove of some amazing stuff. So all of that can be out there in a flea market. Uh, some of the other things to keep in mind is that uh, you're buying stuff secondhand and this isn't in a store, so you're not going to get the guarantee that things are going to work. So you could buy a game that doesn't work, or you could end up buying a console that doesn't work. And that's just sort of a risk that you have to know that you're going to take with that. That is the downside of it. The upside is, uh, because you have that risk, hopefully the person who's selling that item understands that and you can get those items for a relatively affordable price. I've picked up some fantastic games, um, through flea markets. Uh, my best flea market story has to be Gargoyles Quest 2 for the NES. This was a game that I went up to Bowie, Texas to go, uh, go explore around. I found some pretty decent, uh, PS2 games, but I happened to come across this seller who had, uh, Gargoyles Quest 2 for the NES, and it was in fantastic condition. I asked them for the price. They said $16. I snagged it up right there. I believe the game goes anywhere from like $60 to $80 now. Uh, but that was one of my best, uh, you know, flea market buys. Uh, not every not every story is going to be like that. I have multiple stories of me going out to dri driving like 100 miles out to different flea markets and walking away with absolutely nothing because there was nothing there. Uh, so that is a risk that you take, but part of the, part of the drive out there and the hunt, that is the fun of it. So that is always something to take a look at, uh, when you're going into flea markets, there's a, there's a good and a bad, but, but part of it is the, the hunt itself. Um, that really is part of building your collection is, is going out there and finding what's out there. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and sometimes you win big and sometimes you lose big as well. So those are things to take into consideration. The next thing to hit up, of course, are going to be garage sales. 
Um, and garage sales can be really good because these are people that are trying to get rid of their stuff. Now, I have noticed a trend over the past few years of, of some people who are doing garage sales trying to sell their stuff for eBay prices. And you have to remind them that uh, you're not selling them on eBay, that uh, if you're really wanting to get rid of it, you'll need to price it as if you're going to get rid of it. Um, so that's uh, you're, you're going to notice a price thing. And again, like flea markets, you're going to run into, well, these are secondhand stuff and they may not work. And so... You have to really, um, you know, work, work at negotiating. That's something that you're going to have to do with both flea markets and garage sales is, is learn how to barter and bargain. Um, you know, try to try to lay out a price that's not going to insult them, but also you're not going to play, you're not going to pay uh, eBay prices for something that's being sold at a garage sale, especially since they're not paying for any kind of shipping or doing any extra work to get their stuff out of there. They just put it in their garage and you're going to go pick it up. So that's something to take into consideration, but garage sales are great to go to. Again, this is part of the hunting process that I love. Um, when you're collecting games, and something that I haven't really talked about, is you don't want to blow your load right away. And what I mean by that is, uh, let's say you've got some money together and there's some there's a bunch of games that you want to get, or you see a video and you're like, hey, I got to have that game, I got to play that. Um, it's always best to put those things on the back burner and try to go and look for them through flea markets and garage sales and things like that. Like I said, the hunt is actually part of the collection. Um, the stories that you're going to have out of it and the value of what that game's going to mean to you. I've had games that have taken me about six years to acquire. I had a list of games that I wanted to get and uh, I would just, as I went to these different uh, either flea markets or garage sales, I would slowly check off the list and I would get these games for a lot cheaper than what I would at retail stores. Now, I will talk about retail stores a little bit further, um, but getting your hands on some of these uh, these items, sometimes it's just a matter of time and you have to be patient. Uh, this, is, this is really a... Collecting games is really something for people who have a lot of patience, who can wait, but but know what they want. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to wait until you run across the game. Now, that doesn't always work with everything, but in general, if you're patient, you'll do a you'll you'll end up building your collection a lot faster than what you think you will. And you're not spending tons of cash on on a retail version of the game. Um well, like I said, we'll get into that in just a bit. So, the next thing I'm going to lay out there is tell your friends that you're retro collecting. Uh, I've gotten massive collections of games from families who don't want them anymore. And uh, I really unintentionally beefed up my collection with about three friends that were trying to get rid of their old stuff. Uh, I had, uh, through my wife, she had a friend who was trying to get rid of their N64. So I got their N64 and a bunch of really great games. I got uh, all the Zelda games on the N64. Uh, and I paid about 50 bucks for the whole box. They were just trying to get rid of it. My Nintendo collection really got beefed out because I was actually at a flea market and I was talking with uh, one of the people there who was selling stuff. And they had a bunch of Star Wars stuff, so I was trying to get Dave involved in that. Um, but they were all like old audiobooks on cassette, <laughs> and he, he wasn't interested. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Dave was not interested in a bunch of old cassettes. But uh, yeah, they had a bunch of old Star Wars stuff, and we were talking Star Wars. And then I mentioned that, well, I'm out here for video games. And they said, oh, man, if I would known you were going to be out here for video games, I would have bought my 
brought my box of video games. And I said, well, are, are you guys in town? We, they said yes. And I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Um, let's meet up somewhere and I will buy your box of video games. And I ended up buying about, I think, somewhere in the range of like 30 games. And they had some really good games in there, including, uh, you know, the sequel to Contra and stuff like that, Mario 3. I got a couple of doubles on Castlevania, uh, and I could use those later on as trade bait. So it always it always helps to kind of uh, see what you can get for a bulk rate. There's people that are sometimes just wanting to get rid of their stock. And um, if you can find that in either flea markets or at uh, garage sales, that's the really honestly the best way to go, especially if you're just starting out. Now, if you're someone who's been collecting a while, I know people who do this while they have a giant and massive collection. They'll grab a bunch of doubles and stuff like that, and they'll they'll try to sell those off uh, either individually or try to make their own little sets of stuff uh, and sell those online, or they'll take them to the next thing that I want to talk about, which are conventions. So conventions are another fantastic place to pick up games. This is also where you're going to find a large community of people out there. Uh, one of my favorites to go to is Retropalooza, uh, and I will be going this October uh, like I normally do. And uh, that's where I go when I have real specific games that I'm looking for. Uh, chances are the retail stores in your area, even though they may carry uh, retro games, they may not have exactly everything that you're looking for. So this year, for example, I plan on going out and picking up my last unlicensed Tangan game, and that's going to be Tangan Tetris, uh, which has varied in price up and down. I believe last year I saw it in the, you know, uh, like $60, 60 to $70 range. Uh, I've seen it max out at about $80. Uh, I was there for another game in particular, but uh, this year, I'm definitely going in for that particular Tangan game. I ended up picking up most of the collection of Tangan stuff last year. Uh, a lot of weird filler pieces that retail stores aren't, aren't going to have, and I didn't want to go on, online and, and buy them on eBay. Uh, so I've got almost every Tangan unlicensed black cartridge that's out there. The only one that I'm really missing now is... Uh, Tetris. And once I get Tetris, I have a complete unlicensed Tangan collection. So that's what I'm going for this year. I go in with specific goals in mind. And I can't wait to go for that one. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So Retropalooza is a fantastic convention to go to. Um, and there's uh, one in Dallas and there's one in Houston. They take place in different times. But in your particular area, you might want to look for any kind of retro gaming convention that goes on. Again, you're going to need to learn some negotiating skills. Uh, some of my tips are the, the last day of the convention, wait until like a couple hours before they close and then start buying things up. Uh, most of the people there who are trying to sell their stuff, they want to get rid of it. So anything that they can get rid of so they don't have to haul it back, they will sell at a uh, cheaper price. So take a look at that and uh, go to those conventions. And, and also, you also become part of a community. You'll, you'll run into people that you, run, you see regularly. And, um, and it's just great fun to, to talk you know, shop with a bunch of people who are into the same thing that you're into. So along with going to with these conventions and making friends that way, there are also Facebook groups that you can uh, work with as well. And there's a lot of people who are trying to sell stuff. There's, you know, there's stuff that you can do where you end up trading with people. 
uh, and finding particular games or having certain questions answered. There's a lot of times where people are on there asking specific questions about a console or a game or a piece of equipment that they're not really familiar with. And so uh, I'm part of uh, the Dallas Retro Collectors group on Facebook. And we've done some really cool events, like go to the uh, National Video Game Museum uh, and have a night out there uh, where it was closed to everybody else but the the Dallas uh, Retro Collectors. So it was a really fun experience. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and so it's a great way to build up a community. Now, I'm, I'm personally not a very social person, so I have I – have, I go to these events and I, I see some people that I run into every once in a while, but I try to answer questions and things like that online as much as possible. Uh, but it's a great way to uh, get a connection in with somebody who might have stuff that you want, or you might have some stuff that they want and you can cause a trade. But uh, ultimately you're, you're building up and becoming part of a community. And that's something that as far as retro collecting and, you know, looking at it from a greedy perspective, I guess, for things that you have or things that you want, it's a great way to go in and uh, ultimately get the stuff that you want. But you're also going to end up getting some friends and uh, meeting some fantastic people as well. So that's another thing that you can do is go go join a Facebook group and uh, see if they're having events that, that you can go to and, uh, you know, bring some money and purchase some stuff and meet some friends who are into the same thing that you are. So another avenue that's available for you are, is online stuff. Uh, now, sometimes you can't avoid it. You're going to have to go online to buy some things. Um, I buy a lot of my um, like clone console or clone controllers or weird third-party stuff. You, you, you're going to buy those online. Uh, but on occasion, uh, you're going to have to hit up eBay. Maybe that game that you're looking for is a little too rare. And uh, But understand that if you go onto eBay chances are you're going to end up paying a premium for it. Uh, so I do use eBay on occasion, but really not a whole lot. Uh, I use eBay primarily for Japanese games. And uh, I also have uh, specific websites that I go for, uh, go to for Japanese games. Uh, so the reason why I do that is because obviously there's not going to be a whole lot of um, Famicom games or Super Famicom or Mega Drive games that are going to be available in the U.S. Those are going to be really limited in quantity, but I love playing the Japanese versions of games versus the, um, the U.S. version. Uh, some, some games have huge differences in them, like uh, Castlevania IV. Uh, the, I have the Super Famicom version. That's the version I own, and it's got some graphical changes. Um, Nintendo had some real strict laws back in the day as to what could be shown. So for me, it, to the ultimate Super Castlevania 4 experience is actually the Super Famicom version. Uh, but those are always going to be options, buying online. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, you can go on to, to Amazon and you can find a third-party seller that sells a lot of stuff. Again, you're going to pay a premium. If you go on to eBay, you might be able to... Um, you might be able to negotiate a price uh, if you get into a bidding war with somebody, uh, but a lot of those buy it now prices again are going to be at the premium. So I very rarely use online sales unless it's going to be something like a lot of games, but overall they are out there for you. Um, but just keep in mind that you're going to be paying a lot for them. And I always look at this as like a, a budget friendly kind of collection and hobby to, to get into. But if you're not afraid to spend the money and, and you want to have that game really bad, those options are out there for you. 
And the final thing that I'm going to talk about are retro stores. Uh, retro gaming has blown up over the past few years, and there are stores that uh, not only have video games, but old uh, toy collections as well. So you can go pick up your old Star Wars or old G.I. Joe or He-Man figures, and they're also going to have retro games available uh, for a bunch of different systems. Uh, I have talked to... I am... Fr- well, I wouldn't say I was friends. I'm, I'm friendly with... All of my retro gaming stores that I like to visit. Um, so we're in my location. We have a store called Freaks and Geeks uh, in the in the Denton area. Fantastic group of guys. I, I love going to their store, and I run into them at Retro Palooza all the time. And we just have a quick little conversation and talk about some of the cool stuff that we've run across. And uh, just. Uh, really a good group of guys. Uh, if you've watched the game chasers, if you, if you're into YouTube and you watch the game chasers, they go to, they go to freaks and geeks quite a bit. Um, and so that's one of my favorite places to go to. Uh, so not only there, but I also go to game exchange almost all the time. So game exchange, uh, I don't think it's available across the U S but if you're in the South, especially in Texas, you're going to run into a game exchange. Uh, so they carry everything from old video games to current gen console stuff. And, uh, usually their prices are really pretty good. And, uh, again, I, whenever I go, I'm, I'm pretty friendly with the staff and, and we talk about games and old collections and things like that. And so, uh, I find that their prices are pretty reasonable for the most part. Uh, they, they are a brick and mortar store. So you are going to pay a little bit more than what you do if you go out to the wild and and find these things in a garage sale or a flea market. And to be honest with you, a lot of the times you are also in competition with a lot of these stores as well. So there's, there's been times I've gone to a flea market and I've seen some things that I thought were interesting, but I'm not going to pick up because I wasn't collecting for them. And I swear to you that I will go into uh, one of these stores and the next day I will see those items on their shelves. Uh, it is something that you have to be aware of. Uh, this is something that I think Dave runs into from 2BT. Dave runs into this with Star Wars collection stuff. He'll go out to conventions and different things and uh, he'll see certain pieces and then suddenly he'll be at a store uh, a week later and that same exact toy, that particular piece with uh, you know certain markings shows up at that store. So the same thing happens with video game collecting. You are competing a little bit against these stores. But in general, if... If you treat people friendly and nice, then they're going to be nice to you. And uh, I have found I've been offered a lot of really cool stuff uh, because I also collect like Atari. I've been offered the opportunity to purchase, uh, you know, uh, games that hadn't been released yet, prototype cartridges and things like that. So uh, when you're out there, those are things to consider. But uh, video game stores, uh, there's a lot of people who kind of really hate resellers and, and these brick and mortar stores. But, uh, honestly, I've gotten some of my best games from these retail stores and, uh, yeah, they're going to charge a little bit more, uh, but they are, they are a brick and mortar store. They are having to pay an overhead for just renting a space, having a staff, uh, hopefully having a knowledgeable staff that's out there. So, uh, yeah, you're going to pay a little bit more for games, but the, those games and that price is going towards somebody, you know, being able to 
<laughs> hopefully make a living uh, and paying for a storefront that normally wouldn't be there if you weren't there to pay for those games. So that's something to take into consideration. I love my retro game stores. Uh, of course, there's always going to be, you know, stores that are going to be different and local to your area. So always do a little bit of research and find out what's out there. But if you are in the Texas area, especially if the Dallas area, uh, always check out your game exchanges. I'm not, by the way, I'm not, uh, this isn't paid from Game Exchange or Freaks and Geeks. Those are just two of the ones that I really like to go to. But uh, Game Exchange, Freaks and Geeks, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, make the trip out. You're, you're really going to enjoy those stores. Uh, and and Game Exchange is kind of peppered throughout the entire area of Texas. So you'll you'll there's one that's probably closer to you. But if you're in the DFW area, check out uh, Freaks and Geeks for sure. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this particular episode thank you guys so much for joining me i hope that any of the information that i gave you guys today will be helpful whether you are really wanting to dive into retro gaming or this is something that you're just wanting to dip your toe in and take a look at i hope this is something that that will help you make those decisions so guys thanks for joining me and i will see you next week Retro Reprise is hosted and produced by Adam S.L., published by NerdyLegion.com. Visit YouTube.com forward slash Retro Reprise. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Retro Reprise. For business inquiries, email the show at RetroReprisal at gmail.com. Game, Game over. over.